You're listening to Nick Luck Daily. This edition is brought to you by Fitzdares, by the Racehorse Owners Association, and by the Breeders' Cup. Good morning, welcome to the show. It's Friday, March the 17th, which means it is St. Patrick's Day. It also means it is Gold Cup Day here at Cheltenham. After a spectacular week, we are hoping to bow out on a high. I think we can do more than hope. We can expect to bow out on a high with what looks a vintage edition of the Boodles Gold Cup. The defending champion, Aplutar, from whose owner we'll be hearing a little bit later on, taking on Galapin Deschamps, the bright new star, and so many more in a race of rich intrigue here in the Fitzstairs Club, again with a, a an extraordinary spread, more of which later in the programme, a, a wonderful wine and champagne offering as well, and most importantly of all, because it's Friday, Lydia Hislop. So... I think all the ingredients to make a fabulous 700th pod. I absolutely agree agree with you, except where do I find this plantain recipe? (laughs) Right, the plantain (laughs) recipe is in is in Country and Townhouse magazine, which conveniently you have got in your in your right hand. You said that you were looking forward to me uh, encountering this particular magazine. Can you expand on why? Well, Country and Townhouse magazine has been a partner of the Fitzdares Club all week. Um, Ellie Riggs from Country and Townhouse magazine has been in here sporadically, though as the week has gone on, all representatives have got later and later and later. <laughs> Brilliant. Yeah, we are still here, and we can get stuck in at 9.58. Yeah. I mean, it's not gone down well in all quarters that we're boozing so early. <laughs> Neil Phillips is here. Neil, we're going to toast the 700th episode with Fizz what? later. We're going to talk about the food as well with Laurie from the Jockey Club. Yeah. But what are we starting with today? A nice fresh white to kick yes, us off. Joseph Duran, fantastic producer in Burgundy. And Nick, I know you're a big fan of white Burgundy, so I thought I'd bring it on. Nice Macon Looney here, which Lid has already been enjoying. And saying uh-huh. How nice it is. Lovely family business. Really consistent wines. And these days, Macon, Macon is just a different piece than it was 15 years ago. It's just much more consistent. And I think this is a lovely wine. Nick is... <laughs> Really I can just scarcely believe that I'm actually drinking it right now this minute. Anyway, that's uh, another yeah. story. Yeah, no, it's a great one. Yeah. Lyd- big night, Nick. Lydia, what do you make of that? <laughs> I, this yes. on the Gold Cup. This, um, this, that, this is delicious. This is, yeah, very, very, very nice. Is this right up your street? Yeah, really like it. What about today and what we can realistically expect from today? Do you think we could have a Gold Cup for the ages? Has it got that, has it got that potential or not? Possibly, yes, I think it has. I think it's got, it's very difficult for all subsequent days to compete with Tuesday, isn't it? But this is a really good Gold Cup in that we've got a brilliant, unproven as yet, certainly at this trip, talent in Galloping Deschamps. Brave Man's game is similar, albeit he's got the uh, best form of the season already on the board in the King George. And we've got the returning champion, Aplutar, who's form is better than anything we've seen this season but the problem is his form this season is abject um how many times have you changed your mind about this race or have you had a very clear and distinct view of the winner for from a long way out worryingly i haven't changed my mind at all and does that does that mean it's it's staring us right in the face and it's Galapin Deschamps I think so I mean I backed Galapin Deschamps for the Gold Cup last year uh, I've been a massive Galapin Deschamps fan my entire festival was based around the Turners and him winning it uh, last season mm. so the m- quick, m- quicker we move on from that the better but the thing that I think has been really great about the way that the Mullins team have trained him is that they seem to have 
managed to calm his over exuberance and, and make him accept more patient tactics and, and jump in a more controlled kind of manner without training out his brilliance. And if you think of something like Mike Bite, who was exuberant and attacking as a novice, and when he was, uh, they attempted to make him more trammeled, he just lost that zip. Yeah, and actually, at Leopardstown last time, he, he appeared to power through the line. Now, on this podcast last week, Eddie O'Leary, responsible in part for conflated suggested that Fury Road and Co were stopping because they didn't stay and it might have made Galapin Deschamps look better than was actually the case. I, I heard him say that, so very particularly I went back and had another look at the Irish Gold Cup to try and see it in that light, but I don't accept that analysis because if you look at the race, it's it's steadily run. Galapin Deschamps is behind horses such as Statler. He then quickens up and goes past him and puts a great deal of distance between himself and that horse. And the difference between winning and placing in the Gold Cup is having the pace to be able to hold your pitch in the undulating track of Cheltenham as the, the pace rises and falls. Galapin Deschamps has that. Statler does not. There's a difference between winning and yeah. placing. And funnily enough, as soon as he said that, he said... Well, I've got a clutch of something, haven't I? <laughs> well, quite. I mean, I, I, I very much take his point. That I don't think Fury Road quite got home. But the other um, tableau of that race, I think, is that when uh, Fury Road was allowed to run down the final fence and nudge into Galloping Deschamps, a year ago, I think that would have forced a mistake. And Galloping Deschamps instead just jumped straight past. All right. Well, one man who will be entering Gold Cup Day feeling maybe a little less pressure is Richard Thompson from Chibley Park Stud after the victory of Envoy Allen yesterday uh, which I dare say Richard even though this is a horse who's had an amazing profile through his career was was a little bit unexpected Oh totally Nick I mean it was I think it was very I mean from my perspective very unexpected it went, went down, I went down to Kempton on Boxing Day with the King George I mean Henry said the horse is in great shape there before the race, obviously he didn't perform at all, was, was lacklustre, didn't get into the race at all. So, although Henry said yesterday that the horse was in great shape again, of course, with Shishkin in the race, one was hoping for maybe a decent run, maybe a, maybe a second or third, but to win it the way he did was, uh, yeah, very, very unexpected, as far, far as I'm concerned, one of the, one of the uh, well, for me personally, one of the great, one of the great victories. And, and you've had so many as well. Obviously, Apple Targos of the Gold Cup today, defending his crown. You've had Alaho win the Ryanair the last two years. But all those wins have, have come with a, a certain burden of expectation. JP McManus said yesterday after Sider Burley won that the sweetest successes are sometimes the surprises. Is that how you felt? Totally. I mean, this is a horse, as you say, that's become close to our hearts because he won at the festival, what, four years ago, won the bumper. Then he wins the Ballymore in 2020. Then he, then he falls at the, what, third or fourth fence in the in the Browns on, in 2021 and he finished third in the champion chase last year so we've been around a long time now he's, won, he's now won eight grade ones he was the second coming he was a bit disappointing you could say as you say in terms of his profile as a novice but to win yesterday you know like the way he did the way he did was magnificent and as you say well I think very unexpected and, and I think Henry and Rachel and the team again proved uh, what a great team they are and Henry absolutely had him right yesterday and uh, absolutely a masterclass and totally totally uh, blown away by it unbelievable how Henry de Bromhead could get horses to peak for the Cheltenham Festival obviously we're all hoping that he can do the same with uh, Apluta or APT as he calls him um how are you feeling about Apluta's defence of his crown today? 
Well, I've got to say, obviously, Henry's had a great week so far. Uh, the horse is in great shape. He's coming to, you know, he's hit the he's hit form just at the right time. He's sitting on the next door table with me at breakfast as well. So, <laughs> ironically, but um, no, I'm 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 feeling as after yesterday, I'm certainly feeling that Abu Tar is in great shape. Um, uh, he's in great shape apparently, um, and uh, I, you know, although he's, he's been a difficult preparation with the fair chase and pull, being pulled up, and they're not running a leopard down at Christmas with the lock. I mean, obviously, Henry, you can't you can't bet against Henry because what, what did he what did he do yesterday? What's he done this week? And Honey Suffolk goes and wins again, and so look, Aputar's got the got the class. We know that he's won tw- twice at Cheltenham. He's come scooting up the hill last year to win the Gold Cup. Um, but we do we are up against this hot shot, aren't we? Gallop onto shot. Kind of put the shot, and uh, you know, I hope for a very good run, and I'm, I'm, I'm hopeful. But uh, this is the Gold Cup, and it's uh, you know, it's a fantastic race to be a part of. Richard, thanks so much for talking to me. Pleasure, Nick. Well, that's Richard Thompson there, and I, you can just tell from his his demeanour how he comes into today feeling completely unencumbered because of the the joy <laughs> of Envoy Allen yesterday. And if you've got a horse who's already won a Gold Cup, then you know, anything else, it's a, it's a lovely bonus, really. But he's such a talent, Aplutar. And it, the, the Haydock run was so aberrant to the rest of his his career, which has either been very good or great. Yes. Uh, second in a Gold Cup and then winning last year's Gold Cup. I think the thing you want them to do is to defend their title doubtily. I think that would be the, the thing that you would really, really want. Um, he picked him an infection on the travel travels on the way over to Haydock. And then he was intended to run in the Savills chase and he banged a joint so it really hasn't been a good season but it's the form and the timing of the form of the Henry de Bromhead yard that increasingly gives you hope that he might be able to deliver something I think it's unreal I mean I know Willie Mullins comes here with 80 horses and I know he walks away with it's not going to be 10 this year unless he wins six today but it's going to be possible you know it's (laughs) possible it's possible um but the way to Bromhead, after you know up and down seasons, has every year got his horses to peak for Cheltenham yeah. for the last four or five years, and then Aintree as well, is pretty remarkable. Yeah, he was speaking after Mascada's victory in the Grand Annual and saying that he's found the season in Ireland really frustrating, and he was just saying there just are no easy races. He, you know, you can't turn up, you know, half cocked or eighty percent there to any race. You've got to be absolutely sure about what you're doing and you've got to have your horse tuned to the minute the other thing is that he said you know he'd had three runners in britain earlier on in the season he said this on the pod the other day and they'd run stinkers really aplutar being one of them and he said we sort of found an issue and sorted that out so there had been a distinct issue mm-hmm. which they'd which they'd ironed out so that would you know enhance your confidence behind Aplutar and I suppose to an extent behind Manella Rinder yeah definitely the great I, forgotten horse of the race he must not be forgotten now he had superior track position and he was receiving £8 from Statler when he beat him at Tremor in the race that Album Photo made his own um, but he has got an incredible record at the Cheltenham Festival he's won a Gold Cup he's finished second in a Gold Cup he has won an Albert Bartlett and he's fin- finished second in an RSA wasn't it or now now Brian Advisory yeah in that epic mm. to champ with, uh, with Alaho third, third yeah. <laughs> All right, well, it's it's rather been forgotten about this week, but still one of the great stories of the Gold Cup is Hewick, uh, the horse who has risen so rapidly through the ranks. His trainer, Shark Hanlon, is on the line now. Shark, there's been rain all week here at Chelham. You're happy to let him take his chance. How are you feeling about his running in the Gold Cup today? We'll just have to walk on the track there now uh, a couple of minutes ago uh, during the game for the myself. 
and um, I have to talk to the owner still but um, I can't believe how good the ground is like after what rain fell it's in, in, in Ireland we'd call it good heel um, I can't believe it like I know it, we'd rather it's completely good but um, I can't believe how good the ground is he's the one horse in the race shark that for all his brilliant achievements it's almost impossible to know how he's going to run what sort of forms he in how have you got him he's unreal and the young lad running out this morning and after giving him a canter below he just stood to talk just for a second he started rearing up and he was coming back up the shoot with him and he met Henry the Ramhead and the young lad just stopped to talk to him for a second and the horse reared up again he's in real form and Maybe I'm wrong now, but I think he's a lot better than he was last year. And is he a horse you think that you can you can get to to peak off that off that kind of break? Yeah, without a doubt, he's as fit as a fiddle. He's as fit as a fiddle, and um, I don't I couldn't have him an inch better, and I don't think I'd want him an inch better. And if you if you shut your eyes and try and imagine how the race might be run, where do you see him? How do you see him? How do you see him going through the race? I think that there'll be uh, there's two there'll be two in it to make a running, and there's a few sitting in then, and I'd be hoping that we'll be able to sit third or fourth there. So you just sit in just behind the pace, and and then and then make a move second circuit. Yeah, yeah. Listen, um, he jump out to be third, or second, third, fourth along there, and um, there's a lovely bit of fresh ground today. Chatham, there's a lovely bit of fresh ground today the whole way around. How much of an advantage? How much of an advantage do you think it is, Shark, that you've you've set your sights on this target from so far out that you've not been distracted, you've not deviated from this plan for basically six months? Yeah, well, I tell you, I was told years ago by a very wise man, you should never change your plan, and uh, that's why I stuck to. Uh, when you plan something you go with it and um, I couldn't be happier his horse is very fit and um, I think that listen maybe he's, we're going to be outclassed I don't know but I know that in this stall this year probably was his best run ever and he was given a stone and a half to everything and the ground that day was yielding to good and I think the ground today is something like it was in this stall well I know that there will be so many people rooting for you, Shark. He adds so much to the race. Best of luck. Thank you very much. Thanks for ringing. Thank you. It's lovely. I've got a bag of uh, Shark Hanlon there. We're still in the Fitzdares Club. And this Macon um, Looney is <laughs> slipping down with almost alarming ease. Mm. Um, I mean, it's been an absolute disgrace, this podcast this week. <laughs> <laughs> Well, I've been so good, good all week. We're very good this at getting is... here on time and early and stuff. And this you're is my always, reward. You're, yes, always, exactly. you're always good. You know that not these to be days. true. These days. These days. Yeah, there we go. <laughs> to be honest, it, it puts me to shame. Oh, that's fine. I'll grow up one day. Right. Um, that was Shark Hanlon. One of many stories in the race that will or could sort of elevate this beyond what it is on paper. And there's quite a few of those, Lydia. It's just a question from a dispassionate point of view of working out which one is likeliest to get near the target. Yeah, not Hewitt for me, I'm afraid. Uh, I think he, it's brilliant the way that Shark Hamlin has campaigned this horse. And just, you know, for it to be the horse to have been so inexpensive, ridiculous, and to have achieved everything that he has. And a really swashbuckling campaign, and I tip my hat. This is another league entirely. And 
haven't even got conditions exactly as they want them. Yeah. So uh, for me, it's a no to Hewick, even though I think he's marvellous. It's a totally different type of race. Yeah. Um, who do you think could be the surprise package, if indeed there is one? Um, if there is a surprise package... Uh, well, I, it, I think, I mean, again, I've got a long-standing view about a hoy senor. I just don't see a horse that's going to be taking him on that much. Now, maybe he's going to be pushed and nudged a bit, and maybe that won't be great. But there's only really Eldorado Allen who's to go forward with him. And if Derek Fox can get him into a really good rhythm early on, and that is an if, because yeah. this is a klutz of a horse who can't, you know, his brain works quicker than his feet does. But he's very he's not suited by very many tasks in the entire graded program book of the season here in Britain one of them was the Cotswold chase which he won last time I was and the other one is the Gold Cup yeah I'm I'm annoyed with myself because in the end I, I went and tipped protector out because I thought the ground would be much wetter than it's probably going to be but I think Hoy Senor is one of those horses that's got the elite talent to win this race if things yeah. Drop right for I think your heart will be in your mouth at certain fences mm. with him. Yeah. Uh, but we saw what Derek Fox can do with Corak Rambler. In my heart, if he jumps the last with some other stuff alongside him, I will cheer for a hoist. Yeah, I, I think I will too. I think I will too. I mean, it'll be a bit, bit of a, a wrench for me between Galloping de Champ and a hoist and your. Um, not just you know financially, but I, I mean in terms of my affection for both horses. But um, yeah, that they, that they, that they. I hope they both run really, really well. Protector at. Oh, it was interesting to hear what um, Dan Skelton, his trainer, said to you on the podcast about being slightly professionally ashamed about turning him up uh, turning up at the Cotswold Chase and assuming Yeah, he, he wears the hair shirt very well, doesn't he? <laughs> he can do, he He's can do. A... He can do. Um, and, okay, fair enough. And uh, maybe I can understand him saying that that gave us an idea of what we needed to do with Protectorat in order to get there. I still don't think that's going to be quite good enough, I'm afraid. I think that Haydock maybe flattered him quite a bit. Haydock can do that. And if you look at last year's race, he would have finished closer without that mistake at the last but only a closer up third Brave Man's Game is the one we, sh we really should discuss particularly yeah. after Paul Nichols and Harry Cobden got on the board yesterday with Stage Start oh I don't know I've, I've changed my mind 54 times about this horse I go from yes he's got great form showed a different side to his game in the King George hit the line hard looked more of a stayer to oh I don't know just don't underestimate how good a trainer Nichols is I think well Ruby Walsh made the point on Road to Cheltenham, the, the live show that you and I did on, on Monday, that think how many um, gold cups that Paul Nichols has trained the winner of. He knows what it is needed to be able to win this race, and he is very confident about this horse. I've always had um, the, the kind of the same view about this horse, which uh, which is going to be tested to see whether it's, it's fair or not today. I feel like he's a proper chaser, that he's really come into his own over fences. But I think he gets into a beautiful rhythm with his technically perfect jumping on a flat track. And I wonder whether the undulations of Cheltenham are going to interrupt that, that rhythm that he gets into. I'm not basing that on his defeat by Bob Ollinger in the Ballymore from two seasons ago. I'm basing it on looking at him in a rhythm on a flat track. And I believe that he'd stay three mile, two and a half furlong on a flat track. I don't know about here. Well, given this is our 700th edition and we've been eating and drinking all week, Laurie Jeffries from uh, the Jockey Club has delivered us, well, what's really quite a, quite a ridiculous spread. <laughs> Laurie, just, just describe what we've got here today. Well, this is uh, an offer from our new uh, retail unit, which is the Orchard uh, Orangery, uh, based around Covent Garden, which is opposite where you're sitting. And it's uh, basically a street food offer 
to try and match the sort of stuff you could buy in London, so little snacky bits that you might buy uh, rather than one big meal. Lydia, are you a street food fan? I am, actually, yeah, very much so. But this isn't a street food for a week, surely? It is, yeah. I, mean, I don't <laughs> quite know how we're going to get through it all in a... In well, the morning, well, Laurie, Laurie, what have you got? Just what you got some. Uh, We've got your selection of stuff, you know. So this uh, quite a lot of it's vegan and vegetarian now because that's what we're trying to, uh, you know. A lot of people are interested in eating that. So we've got some uh, jackfruit in a bao bun. Bao bun is a steamed bun from China, uh, very popular in Indonesia now uh, as street food. And so this is the jackfruit is a high protein fruit from that um, neck of the woods, which is uh, yeah. that one there. Lydia's Lydia's now going to taste the jackfruit in a bao bun. <laughs> I am. Um, which got left the other day. Really? Scandalously. And as Lydia's gone straight in. Yeah. No messing around. It's a decisive bite. <laughs> um, <laughs> got some chilli sauce. What do you think? You can be honest. Um, I think I probably wouldn't choose it, but I do think it's very nice. I mean, I, I am interested in vegetarian food, really interested in vegetarian food. Vegan food, I'm going to need a bit more convincing, I think, certainly. I mean, I just, it just looks so difficult. Do you, is it difficult? It's, it's she hates it. I don't, no, I'm, I'm going to prove it and take another bite. A whole bite has been taken. Mm-hmm. It just wouldn't be your... Is it? Does it feel like more of a sweet or more of a savoury? It's a bit at the sweeter end for me. A bit too sweet? Yeah. So that's kind of that's kind of my reaction to it. I think it's lovely, and um, I like I like the fact that there is an attempt. I mean, we should be catering for vegan people. We've got a vegan jockey in David Bass, haven't we? Um, and I think that's really good. And I'm very interested in how you can make uh, vegan food interesting because whenever I make vegan food, it's not really interesting. No, it's quite a challenge. Uh, to make it interesting um, but you know in, in many ways we've succeeded with this because it's been very popular Good. the other one that has been very popular is the deep fried tofu tofu is a, ah. a very underrated uh, thing to you uh, ingredient to use but if you marinate it properly in soy sauce and give it some texture with the with the breadcrumbs and whatnot it actually is really nice um, that is lovely you know. you're enjoying the tofu oh, right you've convinced lovely. me okay Lydia has reacted so positively to the deep fried tofu that I might actually I have to taste like some tofu, of this. But that, that is really nice. Yeah, that's that's proved to be. You've got loads of flavour in that. Yes, yeah, definitely. Well, it's the, it's marinating it in the ginger and the, you know, and all the bits and pieces mm. like that. That is that, quite nice actually, and I've never really had tofu that I've enjoyed before. What actually is tofu? It's uh, fermented soybeans, uh, made into a paste basically, mm. um, and on its own, it's very bland, uh, but if you do things to it and, mm. and add it to other dishes and, mm. uh, and stuff it, it works really well but for the meat eaters we ha- we are still providing we've got some beef kebabs there which are lovely you know they're st- um, covered in a sticky glaze uh, we've got some chips which uh, with some seafood flakes on the top for seasoning with a black garlic mayonnaise uh, what else have we got some more bao buns with some chicken uh, and chilies and then some desserts uh, churros and um, some donuts to go with it all how's the beef lid mm-hmm. That does what it says on the tin. I know, it, you know, you know, it, it, you're knowing what to, you're to expect. It's zingy. And it's really, really nice. It's a bit of beef kebab. It's a beef kebab. It's a beef zing- kebab. It's but it's really a nice beef zingy, kebab. Really nice. And tender. Le- really tender. Yeah. Very, very nice indeed. Yeah. Definitely. Have, we would have one of those. Yep. Good. Yep. Yeah, well, the like whole this. the whole concept has been brilliant. You know, I mean, it's the first time we've done it, and uh, we've sold out. Not sold out every day because we've kept up, but we've had to reorder food and and whatnot. You know, much more than we thought we would have to. So. Yeah. Um, so the, the the other bow buns. A, a, a sort of a sort of breaded chicken, like yes. a, I, d- yeah. I didn't want yeah, to say it's a chicken goujon basically. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Posh KFC, but Posh you know. KFC. I like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'll, make, I'll use it, that one next time. You know, so. It does look nice. You've got quite a lot of chili uh, on 
much of this as well. Um, yeah, well, it's a it's a it's a southeast Southeast Asia flavour, you know, of the the whole you know concept of the area, basically. So. Uh, yeah, there's one. a lot of chilies. And is it? Yeah. Is it really? It really is good. Yeah. Okay, I'm going to have to taste this. And when you say posh KFC, I mean that is not to do it down. That that is delicious. I, I like a I like some breaded chicken. I like fried chicken. Mm. Who doesn't? Well, the, these bao buns are amazing. You know, they're very versatile. There's all kinds of flavors That's actually delicious. inside them. And the bao bun itself, you know, it's, it is quite sweet. Mm. It is a sweet dough, mm. uh, but very soft, very palatable. Mm. You know, and certainly uh, marries with the <coughs> deep fried chicken. You know, perfectly, I think. Is he? <coughs> Lydia's very good at eating. Uh, um, uh, take this the right way. <laughs> Let me finish the sentence. <laughs> Lydia's very good at eating while we work. She always brings her own food which is healthy and looks nice I'm bloody awful and I'll just eat crap all day and it's just it, it, there is a bit of an art to eating on a race course isn't there there can be yeah Do you know what I mean there are certain race courses where you know you go there and it's going to be great if you don't take your own but I did resolve during lockdown when all of that wasn't available that um, if I felt that I wasn't going to be able to have something nice and healthy that uh, I wouldn't. I would take my own food. Mm. Now this is very different. I mean, this is a higher level of uh, of food than you you might generally expect to get uh, at race courses. I really like this. I mean, I would I would definitely not make my own food and eat one of these instead. Well, it's a, a step up, isn't it, from pies and chips, and, mm. and you know, which are lovely as well. Mm. You know, on a hot winter's day, if you want them, you yeah. know, if you want that, and mm. but you know, instead of just expecting sandwiches and crisps and chocolate and whatnot, you know, this is now something completely different that we're trying to offer. Exactly. Uh, we have another offer which we were really excited about, which we started last year, which was a British tapas, we called it, which was sort of mini pies and uh, mini sausages and mash and stuff like that. Again, that same idea about having smaller bits to eat rather than trying to carry a big meal and. You know. and particularly when you're, you know, you're peripatetic on a race course, aren't you? You want to, yeah, you want you to, want to, to go here, around and, it, don't and you don't want to be thinking, well, I'm, I'm stuck here, and I really want to go and have a look at this horse in the paddock. Whereas actually, with something like this, it's fine to take with you. Yeah. The other thing is like, you know, limp burgers. You know that smell of, of burger <laughs> truck. You know, you know what I mean. Always smells better than it tastes. Yeah, and I, you know, I just had enough of that. So. Uh, yeah, this is lovely. Really good. Oh, really I'm glad good. you enjoyed it. Yeah, they, they certainly are. Yeah, well, 11 out of 10 for the for, for, for the, the chicken bao buns. Yeah, yeah. Laurie, I think you've excelled yourself for our 700th episode. Thank you very much. We've eaten and drunk incredibly well this week. Thanks so much for coming in. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed the week. Thank you very much. Yeah. Lovely to meet you. Thank I'm you. Jude. Yeah, cheers. So here we are, the fourth and final day of the Cheltenham Festival 2023. Time to say our last hello to our artist in residence this week, Liz Armstrong. And Liz, today's featured work is entitled Blue Riders in the Sky. And this really is a showcase of your style, the way you like to do things. Just describe it to me. Yes, you're dead right, Nick. This is a way, this is showing my pure use of raw pigments that I mix up. It's showing the intensity of the colours that I can achieve by painting in this way. It shows horses... Um, it shows the speed, it shows the, it shows the energy that um, I feel that racehorses, National Hunt in particular, the pounding, that's, that's the way I like to show the energy. <laughs> so tell me a bit more about pure pigment then, what you can achieve right. with that rather than just ordinary paint. Right, pure pigment 
is um, I'm like an alchemist. I've got lots and lots of paints with powder and I mix it with cold pressed linseed oil and it makes, it's not like using paint out of a tube because that's got fillers in it. It just makes a much more intense finish. So you get these amazing vibrant colors that are very true. It's in the style of the old masters, i.e. Turner and quite a few other painters of that period when they mixed their own pigments. And was there anything specific that inspired this particular work? Well, I won a drawing competition many years ago um, to create a series of lithographs for Kerwin Print Studios. And I ended up by doing a piece called Pink Riders in the Sky. And that was about 10 years ago. And ever since I've done that, I just love the feeling of horses floating in the sky. I just, it's just my imagination. And that Pink Riders in the Sky inspired me to work in this way because these horses are almost floating in the sky. It's beautiful work. It's 48 by 36 uh, oil on, on canvas. Blue riders in the sky here, uh, Liz Armstrong stand. And if you are after something a bit more traditional, there is a beautiful study of Paisley Park uh, and Honeysuckle just above that. Honeysuckle, one of the great heroines of the week, Liz. And, and I'd imagine these are always popular. Oh, they are. They're really popular. But I still paint in my style, but people love it because I put my own character to it. There's losing betting slits in the background of Honeysuckle. There's copper pigment on um, Paisley Park. And they're all horses that are so dear to my heart, and I feel very passionate about painting them. Well, it's been wonderful to check in with you every day this week i hope it's been a, an enjoyable week for you it has i love doing it and i think it's very good it's good to have an alternative at a race course like cheltenham throughout the festival because it gives the general public who love listening to nick luck's podcast <laughs> in the morning because lots of You're people very generous. have been on my stand saying how much they've enjoyed it it's another sort of bow uh, another alternative to, uh, you know, artists will always be around. It's another alternative form of expression rather than gambling and drinking. <laughs> yeah, well, indeed. I mean, and, and a, much more, a much more noble one as well. Liz, thank you so much for your time this week. And thank you very much, Nick, for choosing me to chat, chat to you every morning. <laughs> All right, back here in the Fitzdares Club then, on Gold Cup Day with Lydia Hislop and Neil Phillips, the wine tipster, and as Neil um, uncorks a bottle of Moet to celebrate our 700th daily edition, Lydia and I can canter through what else has been um, on the top of our minds this week. I mean, the first thing, Lydia, is that after Tuesday, the rest of the week was going to have to work pretty damn hard. Yeah. I mean, a very, very special day of sport. It was. It, it was special. I don't expect there to be... I, 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 without hyperbole, I don't think I've experienced a day sport like it, and I actually don't expect to, again. The idea that you would see something as good as Constitution Hill winning the uh, champion hurdle in that fashion mm. and then be followed up by the whole story of Honeysuckle and the de Bromhead family, I just can't imagine that though, all of those moons are lining again. It was just marvellous. We need to talk about the crowds, Lydia, which have been significantly down uh, Tuesday, Wednesday and Thursday. Uh, Ian Renton, has, uh, the director here at Cheltenham, has offered some mitigation as regards uh, rail strikes and the fact that last year was a bumper year because everyone was coming out of Covid. But we need to take this quite seriously, I think. I think so, because they're big drops. So 8,200 down on Tuesday, 14,000 down on Wednesday. 
um, and what was 11,000 down on Thursday. Now, they're quite significant drops. I suspect there's a, a number of factors. The cost of living, you know, people do not have spare cash at the moment. And if you combine that with how expensive it is to get to Cheltenham, and particularly, I think, to stay at Cheltenham, then I think you have a problem. And I think that everyone is in the whole of this sector is going to have to readjust. Yeah, so in, in some senses, it might be a bit of a wake-up call to the hospitality industry in the town, right? Yes. You cannot charge these prices if you're expecting to fill up your hotels. I think anyone who has stayed here this week, and you and I, I think we look probably all of, and Neil, I'm sure, has, mm. has experienced it, the prices have gone crazy mm-hmm. and it's just for many people it has just become simply unaffordable and the number of those people who for whom it has become unaffordable unaffordable it has increased i i'd be surprised if there aren't a number of empty rooms around cheltenham uh, you saw that was, wasn't there that new that venture mm-hmm. which tried to yeah. to, to yeah. change crates where you can basically some, stay in a, yes. in a porter cabin yes. and, yeah. and pay god which knows how much for it awful absolutely awful and they were charging a ridiculous amount of money for it and they they couldn't make that project fly i suspect there are lots of rooms around cheltenham that are empty because people were charging too much we also need to talk about last year i i agree that there will be some reaction um from last year but also what that reaction might be partly to do with last year in that people came along and found themselves to be slightly too uncomfortable too cramped queues too long you know it it didn't it wasn't a good experience um and i think that you also have to um, bear in mind i think there probably would have been a knock-on effect of how much publicity there was for £7.50 for a pint of Guinness in a plastic pint that might have been re-poured that you've probably queued for ages for and then you're jostled around and can only drink in certain areas. I mean, it, you, you, the focus has got I mean, to be... I don't be, want to pick you up on this. Go on. But because it was ecologically sound, it wasn't even it a wasn't plastic, a plastic pint. pint. Yeah, it was a paper right. pint. It was a no, paper, paper pint. pint. I'm talking... A, I'm, basically, I'm saying a non-glass. I know, I know. A non-glass. A non-glass glass. Yeah. yeah. So, so it's, it's, the focus on experience is important. And I hear lots of hospitality sectors people in the hospitality sector saying that they focus on experience well you know that is not a great experience so um i think that that, that, that people are going to have to sort of focus on on what it's actually like how much money it costs to get here and to make sure that the experience when they do get here and have paid that much is worth it um oh god this is a dangerous thing to say but it's been a week oh we should have mentioned strikes as well sorry oh the strikes yeah, yeah. the rail strike would have had an impact yes. I, I i will yeah. i will allow that because i do think lots of people particularly young people people who haven't got a car mm. um you know and who want to enjoy that their time will have come by by rail and so that will have had an impact okay i was going to say and i'm going to tempt fate and by the time you listen to this this might have gone completely out the window it's been a week so far relatively free of controversy Okay, we had a demotion yesterday. Yes. Dashel Drasher demotion. What did you make of that? I thought that I'd take the emotion out of it, and I'm really sorry they lost it. I thought there was a reasonable case to turn it round. I wouldn't have been sorry if they hadn't turned it round, mm-hmm. but I thought there was a reasonable case to As turn it round. Speaking, and it's the incident going into the final hurdle, not what happened afterwards. Mm-hmm. It's nothing to do with Russell switching or anything like certainly that. Certainly speaking to Davy Russell. Um, you know, immediately after he'd got off the horse, he was sort of saying he kept feeling he was going to get past the second, and then the second would wander in a direction. So he'd change, and then the same thing would happen. So, I mean, clearly, you know, jockeys are already framing their case in front of the stewards in their mind. But you know, this was this was quite an extinctive reaction, seemingly from Russell. Yeah. So I I, I didn't hate the idea that they turned it around. I think they'd struggled to get it turned over on appeal. It's a it real way. shame, isn't it? It is. It is. The horse ran a. You know, I mean, whatever. Really wonderful race. He was a, it was an amazing race. I mm. think you know the Scots should be really proud of Dashiell Drasher. Yeah. I mean, he f- so far excelled what I was expecting. Yeah, and and Jeremy Scott just 
one of the good guys. Yeah, very much. Absolutely, so. very Actually, much. Probably so. the best. Um, yeah. So it's a shame, but he he ran a, he ran a super race. Uh, I said it was it's been a week relatively free of controversy from the whip point of view. Seemingly. I think, I mean, there'll be a ban or two, I, th- I think, but not well, anything crazy. Well, ITV were talking yesterday. They would asked for a steer from the British Horse Racing Authority. And at that point, so looking at Tuesday and Wednesday, but not yet Thursday, uh, they were saying that there will be a few uh, bans, one of which would have been, um, oh, a few potential bans, I should say, because obviously the Whip Review Committee have the final say the local stewards pass it on they made the point that one of the ones that was passed on would have actually have been an infringement under the old rules and not just the new rules but they did make the point uh, via to itv that there was no threat of any disqualification from day one or day two yeah so that's fingers important crossed. Yeah, fingers crossed is. for today now to round things off there we go nick congratulations on nick luck daily the 700th 700th edition Great listen. We listen to it all the time. You know, you all. It's global. It's global. How many of you? What do you reckon? You've done a hundred. I messed it. About at least, I reckon. I think I messed it. Might be. I actually don't count. Uh, <laughs> yeah, you've done it you've because the debt's too big, and it's not one I can ever repay. So uh, yes. But to, cel- well, to celebrate, we have yeah. some Merton Chandon Vintage 2013 for wow. you. Chardonnay, Pinot Noir, a little, little amount of Pinot Meunier, but mostly Chardonnay here. So here we go. And it's, been, it's great, Nick. Cheers. Cheers, Nick. Congratulations. Congratulations. Cheers, Lid. Thank you, Neil. Right. Cheers. Um, Cheers. Neil, we're just going to quickly Cheers, spin through the card mm. in rapid fire fashion. Yes, let's do it. Triumph Hurdle. Oh, that's lovely. That is really lovely. Uh, oh, right, yeah, okay. It's Blood um, Destiny, isn't it? Uh, no, I don't think it is. Okay. I think that £7 allowance that he's that both Lottie Mouth and Gallimarceau have got is going to be a that's massive impost, I think. I can see the two fillies getting past. Could there be a result? I don't is know. there something lurking there? Um, what was the one that, um, that, uh, that I kept looking at? Jagard. Okay. Uh, that, that was um, making her debut for Willie Mullins. So, again, she's got the £7 allowance. And uh, was third at, I think it was Autoy. I on fancy Mullins to win it. Uh, do you? Yeah, funny that. <laughs> Big shout. Um, the County Hurdle. Yes. Right. Skel- okay. Skelton could win this. Yeah, event, I think he's he? got a really good chance with Pembroke. I okay. think that's really good. My long-term fancy for the race was Jin Coco. I worry about whether the ground has gone. All right. Uh, and also, we should mention Sharjah. Twice second wow. in the in the champion hurdle. The sort Arctic, of horse that wins this, isn't it? The Arctic Fire argument, essentially. And he has been given a chance. The thousand words argument as well. Yeah. Isn't it thousand, thousand words yeah. win this off a big weight? Katie think, Walsh? I think so. think yeah. so. And Wicklow Brave. Wicklow Brave. Uh, monkey. Um, then the Bertie Bartlett. Now, this is really interesting. Uh, I think this is probably the deepest edition of this race that I have seen. Uh, there's a very strong case for three-card brag. Um, I think there's a strong case for Corbett's Cross, um, who showed his versatility last time. My long-term fancy was Hidden Valley Lake. I'm not so bothered about the fact that he was beaten by his stable companion last time. He was conceding weight and didn't enjoy making the running. I do wonder about the horse that finished third behind them, though. The really unexposed and lightly raced search for glory. Okay. Um, We've talked about the Gold Cup extensively. Fox Hunters, I don't have a clear view. I had I have I have no view generally, but I had a very very strong case made for me last night by by a judge uh, who liked Chris's dream. Was it Jonathan Neeson? It was not Jonathan Neeson. Ah. no. Yeah, you, I you, looked at, you stay with Jonathan. Yeah, what does Jonathan I, think? I don't know to be honest. Uh, we normally would discuss that, but last night we were distracted. Um, you were out, out weren't you? Uh, the sh- 
Um, <laughs> I had a good look at Chris's dream for this race right. when I did my tips for the race. Um, I worried about his poor Cheltenham record. Yeah. He's been to the festival three times, I think. Yeah. Run badly every time. Okay, fair so enough. So I worried about that. And in the end, I thought each way the storyteller at about 25 to 1 with Jamie Codd riding. Marvellous. He was supposed to ride Bob and Co, but he's had to get on the storyteller for Gordon Elliott. I love the storyteller. What a yeah. great horse he And he's, he, by contrast, has run loads of good races. Very much so. The mare's chase, I, I think Impervious is past the post. Do you? Yeah, I do. I think she's really good and really straightforward and just a, a lovely mare who jumps beautifully, has a turn of speed. I worry that the fences might be a bit of an effort for her, but I did worry about that for Ellie Main. She's finished second and, and won one, so... I go to Vassi is going to be such a test of riding skill for Paul Townend because she jumps wildly right, Mount Ida right, not adjusting right like Carl Reavy, yeah. really right. So he's going to have to get her buried on the inside. Um, but the problem is, I think she's so good. Are there, are there going to be horses around her to keep her not from jumping wildly right? The solid one to me is Jeremy's Flame, who absolutely trounced the best of British Zambella I mean I know Pink Legend finished second last year and, and came back to form a little bit last time but that Jeremy's flame is so straightforward but I mean I, in the end I left that race alone I just want to watch poor I say poor Paul Tanner I want to watch the challenge which I'm sure Paul Tanner actually will be relishing and would terrify me of getting Alago Devassi to win this and the Martin Bike I really like Cool Survivor. I think this is absolutely perfect for him. I think he doesn't quite stay th three, fur three miles, but I think he needs a strongly run race at the trip, which this will be. So for me, it's Cool Survivor. Right, Cool Survivor to round off Cheltenham Week. Thank you very much uh, for listening this week. I realise that time has been precious, so if you have been tuning into our podcasts, thank you. We will see you again on Monday. Uh, off to work on Racing TV this afternoon and then go to sleep for the weekend. Cheers, Liz. See you after the weekend. Bye-bye. You've been listening to Nick Luck Daily, brought to you in association with Fitzdares, the Racehorse Owners Association, and Thoroughbred Racing Commentary.